Welcome to Leadership Insights. Today, it's my pleasure in having fellow Swiss David Soudan here with me. David is an FMCG leader with a truly global background. He spent about 30 years uh, of his career with Nestle, including running the coffee and the water business here in China, but also managing markets like Sri Lanka and the Maghreb, North Africa region for the firm. Until earlier this year, David was responsible for the international business of uh, Jawa, a leading Chinese consumer goods company. He now runs his own consultancy and also works as an executive coach. Welcome to the talk today, David. Thank you, Andre. Well, let's get started. Uh, very excited to have you here. We uh, have a few things that we wanted to talk about, including a little bit maybe about your personal background in terms of what defines you. And uh, what, of course, uh, I'd asked you earlier was, what are the three things that define you as a person, as a leader, as a coach? The, the first one would be passion, uh, passion for business, passion for brand building and also passion for for people i'm also known for being very result oriented so when i play i play to win and i'm also known for resilience and persistence which came in very handy uh, in china with the various crises we have experienced uh, such as sars iodine melamine and so on excellent now you've been of those 30 years how many years have you been in china roughly about 17. 17. Obviously, uh, you mentioned a few important things like resilience, and you mentioned that some of these topics relate obviously to your those 17 years, <laughs> right? In those times where resilience is important, what are the characteristics defining a good leader? Right. I, I would probably answer this question by you know, looking at what is the most important quality in a leader in, mm. in, in, in general. I am really convinced that the most important quality of a leader is a true passion for developing people. Uh, I think a leader, whether it is a leader in business, a leader in sports, or an officer in the army, you know, must have this real, true passion and desire to help others uh, unleash uh, their, their potential. And I think a good leader would help individuals and teams achieve things which initially they thought they would never be able to achieve. That sounds definitely very important and inspiring, quite frankly. Mm. Can you give me an example, anything that related to, particularly as it relates to the difficult challenges, some of them that you mentioned? Well, uh, to me, I mean, throughout my, my career, I have mm. been confronted with so many numerous challenges. And there is one, you know, has made, in a sense, the most lasting uh, impression. Uh, and this was in Sri Lanka, actually. This is a country uh, which had gone for about 30 years uh, civil war, a country which probably in the early 70s was very proud uh, of its achievement. People would fly in from New Delhi and Bombay to Colombo to do their shopping. And by the time I arrived there uh, early uh, 2009, this was the reversed solution or situation, I, I shall say. And uh, people were kind of depressed. The war had been lasting for so long. It was not completely over when I arrived. And also within our company, 
you know, things didn't go well, we were losing market share, you know, profit was eroding and, and so on. And I, I came in and I said to myself, either we continue going down or we try to find one or two, uh, you know, winning moments. And I was able with the team to make significant contribution in turning around the what we call the dairy collection, uh, a reopening the moment the civil war was over, which was in May 2009, uh, you know, dozens of uh, collection centers giving, you know, a new purpose for the villages. And for us, it was great because we didn't depend on import uh, so much anymore. Uh, we were able to have uh, much more uh, affordable products. Uh, and also that drove our liquid growth because we were collecting fresh milk, so we didn't have to transform it into powder and so on. And the other thing we were managing uh, to do is because there is a malted beverage in Sri Lanka produced by Nestle, which is very famous, called Nestomalt. And every year, uh, the Nestle Group would run a global competition uh, for the best practice in malted beverage um, category. And the big markets, of course, represent, you know, the Milo brand, and we are the only ones with the Nestomal brand. Uh, we are not the biggest one, but we are a significant one, and so on. And uh, we told ourselves, we are going to win that contest. And I was able, uh, through my own network from the previous jobs, to basically um, get lots of resources which the local team did not have and, and so on, whether it was in R&D, in the center in Singapore, people in Switzerland, in Vevey, uh, agency people in the UK and in uh, based in Beijing, who remote controlled helped mm -hmm. us you know, with the branding, the new uh, advertising story, the reformulation of the product and so on. And, and we did win uh, the contest and uh, it was amazing to see how people looked you know, after that so happy and started to regain their, their confidence. And this was the start of a very good uh, turnaround in, uh, mm. in, in Sri Lanka. How did you corral the team? You know, how do you get the team to focus on winning after such a difficult time? Well, uh, uh, I took them a little bit by surprise, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in a sense. I uh, socially, uh, I met uh, the chief justice of uh, Sri Lanka, uh, whose passion it is to get the UNESCO uh, to nominate some cultural sites as global world heritage sites. And we met, we met again in his chambers, and uh, he told me casually in a discussion, actually, you know, you would be very interested to go with me to visit those historical sites because when I go there, I see thousands and thousands of free-ranging cows. And I was very surprised and I said, you know, how can this be? And he told me, you know, Tamil tigers, uh, for them, cows and elephants are two types of animals they would never hurt. So over the last 20, 30 years, these animals, you know, have freely uh, reproduced and great potential came back to the office, I mentioned that story, uh, people said, no, David, that cannot be true, we are all from here, we would have known that, and so on, and I said, okay, that's fine, uh, I will go and take a look. And then uh, together with the Chief Justice, you know, we had this arrangement where he came to visit our factory, he came to visit the milk collection centers to understand a little bit more what we did in the dairy industry, and then he took me with the military escort to these newly liberated areas. And I had my Nikon camera, <laughs> and I took lots of pictures of cows, and I came back to the office. <laughs> and I had a management meeting, including the dairy collector in the factory. You know, we projected all these pictures. 
And I said, look, you know, very humble way. It's not that I want to be right, but the fact is you cannot deny these pictures. You know, I have not painted these cars. They are not virtual cars and so on. <laughs> so then, you know, came the first mission, the second mission to those areas. And uh, as we had a closely knit team, we realized very quickly, uh, you know, the potential of having more fresh milk. We, I talked about the imports, but there were also many tax advantages to have agricultural products, you no know, VAT and, uh, and so on. And and uh, that helped to kickstart also the growth of, of sales because in the end, you know, you are measured on top line growth, bottom line growth. Mm. And it happens that liquid, uh, you know, liquefaction is a trend that happens all over the world. And those products can be uh, quite profitable if you have a good brand in the leading position. Uh, yeah. Now, you were the foreigner coming to <coughs> the market. How did you ensure that the local team, your management team, made it their own? that they bought into this idea and that they bought into that vision? How did you support them and how did you get them on board? I mean, I, I go back to uh, the personal example of having taken the risk to go to these areas. So there was a little bit of a sense of admiration. Uh, I spare you also the trip I made to the newly liberated Jaffna. Uh, thanks to our corporate affairs manager, I was able to fly with a Hercules C-130 as a passenger with a few soldiers landing in Jaffna. Uh, you know, and the team was really amazed uh, about this and they saw that I really cared about some of our distributors employees who had not seen, uh, you know, Nestle managers for over 20 years, but they had kept doing the business. So there was a sense of, oh, this man comes to us, he doesn't want to lecture us, he listens to us, he wants to understand, he wants to add value. And through the repetition of these messages and the leadership by example, they bought into that and said, okay, let's believe and let's try. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was so fortunate that both in the area of dairy collection and uh, malted beverages that there were a few people who were, in a sense, the local key opinion leaders and bought into the vision and said, okay, let's, that's the chance we have, right? Yeah. Uh, and once you have demonstrated that, you know, things can happen and, you know, to open a new uh, collection and chilling centers, you need, uh, you know, good staff, but you need also the, co um, the cooperation from the authorities, you know, the electrical power station, because you need special cooling uh, elements. You need the village chiefs who, you know, ensure the cooperation of the, the, the villagers. You need a monk also to, or a mullah to, to bless basically the villagers and, uh, yeah. so, <laughs> and, and so on. So in, in, in the end, the police was also there not to guarantee the security because you never knew if some, uh, you know, fighters had actually escaped, you know, and hidden, uh, hidden in the jungle and would suddenly reappear and so on. So everything fell into place. So it was really uh, aligning all the planets actually <laughs> behind one mission. So stakeholder management, if I may say so, right, was really key to the success. Absolutely, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And as such, I think it sounds a little bit like servant leadership, mm -hmm. some concepts of servant leadership that you came in not as... I'm the big boss, I have all the ideas, you have to follow me, but really understanding how can I support you being successful. Right. Would that be a fair summary? Uh, it's, a, it's a fair summary, 
but I think personally that uh, leadership uh, is very situational. Mm -hmm. There are moments where even in a challenging environment you can act as a servant leader, but there are also moments where you have to be very normative, very directive, and so on. And uh, if I give uh, one example uh, about this, uh, where I surprised the people because I had the good side you know of mm. my uh, behavior in a sense in terms of listening and being humble and wanting to discover and demonstrate that we can do better but there are also moments where i can turn a little bit impatient so uh, due to the economic situation of the country uh, at the time we had many power out outages and in in, in factories uh, you can actually overcome those power outages with what we call uninterrupted power supply, UPS. Mm. And uh, we had received actually, uh, let's say, the authorization for an investment in hundreds of what looks like car batteries. And you can actually combine, link all these batteries together in a huge, gigantic room and so on. And in case there is, it's like a self-made uh, UPS, right? And I knew when the project was approved, I knew that the, the batteries had all been procured, they had been delivered and so on, and just nothing happened. And I was very puzzled. And I said, look, we are all measured for, you know, achievements and so on. We know that was upon my arrival that we suffer because of lagging performance versus the KPIs and so on. And that could be a fantastic way to basically make sure we don't run out of stocks and we don't lose 100% of the margins when we have no stocks to sell. So I had to shake up a little bit, uh, you know, people uh, on the technical side to basically make this a, a priority because I believe that you know, business is always a priority. If we earn the money, then we can reinvest and you can run many more projects. <laughs> so you're helping uh, them prioritize, yes, uh, yes. setting also, their priorities. Yeah, exactly. And there you have to be yeah. quite directive mm. because uh, sometimes, you know, there is a little bit of a silo uh, thinking and people would get stuck basically in their own specialties, forgetting the big picture. Sure. Big picture is I want more top line and I want more profit. That is a global focus. <laughs> Today we're in China. How do these lessons from Sri Lanka translate to China? Is it something where you say, you mentioned situational leadership. Uh -huh. Is this an approach that you also used to here in China when you ran the coffee business and the water business of uh, Nestle? Or how was that different? Yeah, actually, the, <laughs> the sequence was different. Yeah. Is I learned a lot in China, <laughs> and then I moved on to, 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 to Sri Lanka. Yeah. So the situational leadership, I learned uh, through, through many ways. But I think the most uh, enriching experience uh, was uh, the reorganization, basically, uh -huh. of the Nestle China company. So you have to be able to get into the mind uh, of the staff, understand their concerns and demonstrate to them again how you can add value to, uh, to, to, to their businesses and uh, show empathy, really, because I had, uh, you know, lots of uh, moments uh, in one-to-one -one discussions with a lot of tears and uh, lots of almost desperation, but I always used my own personal credibility and I knew that I had support from you know the top top uh, management to basically commit personally that uh, they would not be left behind. Empathy takes me to the next point so that's obviously a crucial part. You have become a coach as I mentioned in the introduction. What drove you to become a coach? 
Well, uh, this is uh, at this stage of, uh, of my life. Uh, if I can summarize this in a very, very simple term, I wanted to make a difference and give something back. I have been extremely fortunate to join uh, Nestle as a, as, as a young man. Many senior managers uh, believed in me, gave me opportunities. I grabbed those opportunities. I was able to, to grow. I was so fortunate to work in many different countries, learn about different cultures, different people, master different challenges and so on, as I have uh, basically, in a sense, completed my journey uh, you know, in the international career because we decided with my family to, to settle down in, in, in Shanghai and start basically a new page <laughs> you know, of, uh, of our future life uh, as a family uh, and so on. I, I want to give something back because I'm so grateful basically for mm. all what I learned. Of course, when you enter a new phase and so on, you say, you know, do I need a purpose? Uh, how am I going to, to basically move forward? Can I define this uh, a little bit? And, you know, I feel very happy to be of uh, services uh, to others. So I would like, in a nutshell, to uh, transform all the experience and the learnings gained in business management and also in board works, because I was a board member in a, in a, in a, in a few places, I want to transform that into value for, for the coaches. And if I have, uh, you know, the honor or the pleasure, I don't know what is the right English word for that, but to accompany them, you know, through uh, part of their own journey in, in, in their career and help them unleash their potential, I think that I would have done something good for, for them. And I would probably also have learned something along the way. So it's a true win-win situation. It's a give and take, right? Uh -huh. Excellent. So you said that you add value by sharing experiences. Can you maybe give an example? I mean, how do you feel you add value? Is it uh, sharing your experiences or is it giving, giving advice or what is it exactly? Right. I mean, f first of all, I, I, I think everything needs to be put in, uh, in, in context. Mm. And uh, when one embarks on a, on, on a coaching project, uh, there are clearly uh, many stakeholders stakeholders in the uh, HR department or HR division. Uh, you have uh, stakeholders in line management, the direct manager of the coachee or the manager's manager and so on. And you have the coachee uh, themselves. So these are the three large uh, group of stakeholders in, in the third party. So usually prior to the start of a coaching project, uh, you know, the stakeholders would share basically what is their understanding of the situation. They would see where there are gaps and so on. And there's an alignment on what are the challenges to, to, to overcome. So as a coach, I think the most important way to add value is, first of all, understand what the stakeholder require, because I don't go to a company and say I'm going to coach what I want is I need to basically be of service to the coachee and the, and the coaching company and the target setting or the goal setting together with the coachee is extremely important because coaching somebody who doesn't really want to be coached or is not fully aligned on what gaps uh, need to be closed is of course very very challenging. So setting goals with the coachee and ensure then that the other stakeholders are aligned on, uh, on those goals is also absolutely critical. And then as a coach, there is a formalized process you have to follow to be able to achieve those goals uh, together. So indeed, experience matters. 
I have been in my career also coached uh, a, a few times and the majority of coaches I have encountered actually ask you many questions and or, you know like you have you might not have thought about this you might not have thought about that and, and, and mm -hmm. so on and yeah it's interesting but sometimes uh, you know it's a little bit disappointing because usually the you know you would expect as a coach more uh, from the coach of course the coach cannot replace your line manager but if the coach has uh, you know relevant experience uh, maybe the sharing of this experience would help me as a coach to 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 move forward so to ensure the, the, the success of these coaching programs, I think the coach himself or herself has to be prepared to fully share what they have gone through, the good and the bad, and, and so on, uh, so, and make it relevant for the particular coachee. And then the, the, the coachee can be exposed to questions, but can also compare you know, their current challenges with their own previous challenges, possibly, but also with the experience of the coach and have a discussion or an interaction which is not threatening, mm. uh, where you don't lose face because it's behind closed door uh, as such, and it's not within the company, so the coach is not going to report uh, to anybody, you know, you know I, I was confronted with XYZ uh, weird questions and so on, because there is not really you know, an ethical dimension to the, to the world. Uh, of, uh, of a coach. Great, thank you. So um, that takes me really to the next question. Um, there are actually two. One was, you're talking in the context of an external coach. Mm -hmm. Now, I understand you've also done internal coaching. What is the difference or the benefits of, let's say, external coaching to internal or vice versa? Right. Let's say uh, in a large multinational company like, uh, like Nestle, at least the way I have experienced it, because it's all based on a personal experience, the majority of the people I have interacted with uh, have been extremely loyal uh, to the company, have stayed with the company for sometimes decades, and they, ha they are experts in their fields, and the experiences they share are very much ingrained into the Nestle uh, culture. So when the internal coaching takes place, although throughout the years we have learned new methodologies, more you know, efficient and effective approaches to internal coaching and so on, it is still very much within the family. And I believe that uh, when uh, an external coach uh, comes to the party, he or she might give, uh, you know, like different perspectives, which goes beyond what an internal coach can, uh, can provide. How important is that in terms of the culture of not invented here? In the past, uh, a lot of companies have said, we are the number one, so we know best. Um, that, I think, now, particularly post-pandemic, has changed quite a bit because things move very quickly and we see that the environment, the circumstances change continuously. How uh, is there maybe a dimension also beyond not family, but having that outside perspective that adds an additional dimension of, uh, of value? Yes, uh, indeed. And I think uh, outsiders uh, can, uh, in a sense, more easily uh, challenge the status quo. They are emotionally not attached to what was done in, in, mm. in the past. 
um, you know, they don't have this uh, blindfold, which can be uh, can 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 be a problem. And definitely, uh, I, I would say what I have observed again as an outsider and still as a shareholder <laughs> of, of Nestle, that uh, you know the the new uh, global CEO and other team members who have joined have contributed to uh, you know very. Uh, minute reviews of a very large global portfolio of brands, uh, redefinition of the strategy on very fast-growing and profitable categories, and uh, the number of deals you know, to basically uh, sell uh, off non-strategic brands or brands which are, uh, in a sense, underperforming versus the average uh, profitability of the company has been uh, second to none. And also the acquisition of very, uh, you know, like edgy uh, companies you know, in the area of coffee, Blue Bottle Coffee, for example, mm-hmm. has been acquired by Nestle. The joint venture with, uh, with, with Starbucks. In my youth, I, I would say, uh, this is something which would have been... I dare say it's personal, huh? but virtually unthinkable. <laughs> and actually, uh, it works very well. And the different uh, brands and the different types of products can actually cohabitate because people don't only drink uh, pure soluble coffee. So this creativity and these challenges of the status quo are critical for the future development of the company. So I'm hearing things are becoming more diverse, there are more multiple dimensions, things change more quickly. A follow-up question to that is, these are strategic decisions that helps a company remain competitive or become more competitive, and shouldn't that be an internal discussion? Is there a danger to work with a coach on such strategic issues because it's not internal? Well, the coaching projects I am exposed to are actually linked to uh, behavioral uh, issues, uh, gaps, you know, versus uh, an ideal uh, set of, of behaviors. And this has, in my opinion, uh, nothing to do with challenging the strategic direction of the company. I think the ultimate purpose is to ensure that every individual becomes a better self. And if somebody helps them address those gaps close those gaps, the behavior improve, the performance will improve, and then we go into a virtuous circle where if everybody improves, then the whole company also uh, improves and is then better uh, in a position to help the company uh, progress because in the end it's people doing the job, uh, not computers and machines, right? Yes, absolutely. David, that makes a lot of sense. And that brings me to the next question. So if it's about the behavior, changing behaviors to drive meaningful results, how do you measure the success when engaging uh, a coaching? Well, uh, I would say the most simple answer uh, to this question is coming back to the SMART goals. Uh, Remember that we said that the coach and the coachee would set mutually agreed goals how to progress, that those goals would be aligned with the other stakeholders within the company. And obviously, one way to measure progress is looking back at the list of goals set up at the beginning of the program, whether those goals have been achieved uh, or not. So this is the most uh, basic thing. Definitely also, it's critical, I think, that in the organization of the coachee, there is some feedback where other colleagues would report 
improvements in the behavior or a change in behavior for the better. And there, I think it's beyond the coach himself or herself. It is the coaching company that is actually interacting uh, with the client, I may say, uh, who would then uh, get that feedback. Yes, indeed, you know, uh, you, your company has coached 10 people and we can report to you that in all 10 cases, true improvements in behavior leading to improvements in performance have been noticed. So that's the second way uh, to do uh, you know, assessment. And the third one, I think it's also very important, is what are the feelings of the coachee? Because, again, the, the coachee being exposed at the beginning to those mutually agreed smart goals would then probably at times not feel very good about having gaps. He or she might not have been fully aware about them. It's very difficult to acknowledge. And if in the last session of uh, the sequence of 6, 12, or, or 18 sessions, the coachee you know, thanks the, the, the coach and says, look, I can tell you my peers have actually told me that I have changed and I have improved. This is also a fantastic way to measure success. It's not quantitative, but it's very, very important because in the end, it's the coachee, the improved version of the coachee that is going to make the difference as recognized by him or herself mm -hmm. and his or her peers, right. including line managers. Great. Coming towards an end of our conversation, what advice you would give business leaders in regards to talent development? So what are, based on your experience, um, the success factors, the critical success factors or critical factors to success uh, of a leader uh, to develop his or her team? Right. To me, Every leader should have this deep, deep belief and conviction that people make the difference. So companies are made up of hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of, of employees, and they are all people with their strengths and weaknesses. And people do make the, the difference. And besides brands, people are indeed the most valuable asset uh, in, in the company. Having a team that believes in the mission and the purpose of the company, the team that is motivated, a team that wants to succeed and in a sustainable manner and so on, this is what makes a difference between, uh, between companies. So my advice to any leader would be, remember that yes, achieving target is very important. That is a basic expectation from a leader by the team, but also by the leader's bosses in a sense. But the main focus of the leader has to be on people development. Every leader has to remember that he or she cannot do the job herself. You cannot do the job of even five people or ten people. You can supervise, you can teach, you can coach, you can accompany and, and so on, but people are going to bring your company uh, forward. So you have, in a sense, to, of course, you know, identify talent, you have to motivate talent, you have to retain talent, you have to reward talent uh, also. And that 
brings then, if it is really well done, a situation where you go into this virtuous circle. Even if the leader is absent for quite some time, the team will continue to perform because the team doesn't need to be whipped into performance. You know, you come to a point of self-motivation of very, very able people who believe in a, in a, in a vision. And when that happens, the leader still remaining a people person can also focus more on the strategy rather than firefighting. If the strategy improves, the whole company will improve. There will be more opportunities for everybody. And that comes to that virtual cycle where yeah. you will have more opportunities and more satisfaction uh, for the team. Great. So what I'm hearing is leaders are here to build an organization that is long-term, sustainable, self-developing in some sense, people that take ownership. And you do that by aligning people's interests and supporting them to become a better self. Right. Would that be? Yes, a great summary. Thank you, Andre. Well, thank you very much, uh, David. Thank you for today. Very much appreciate uh, your insights. I do look forward the next time we have a chance to talk again. Wonderful. In the meantime, have a great day. Thank, thank you so you much. Again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Glow Coach Leadership Insights. If you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the show for future episodes or follow us on LinkedIn or WeChat for more leadership and coaching related content. See you next time.